Amen. Hallelujah. All right, let's be seated. It is a privilege to be bringing and sharing the word of God to us this morning. Thank you, Pastor Fred, for the opportunity. It is such an honor. It is such an honor. It is such an honor. One of the things the Lord is doing with us this time and in this season, of course, we're going to be looking at prophetic evangelism. It is one of those, you know, the, the modules that it will be found in the school of ministry that we'll be doing in the months to come. But it's, in, in, it's like a necessary plug for us right now because God is speaking about ingathering and God is saying, I want you to go out. And it is no wonder why God was breaking us out today. So that the things that have held us back, you know, it's first spiritual before it is natural. It has to be addressed in the spirit first. And that's what God has done to us this morning. Where there's a breaking out. We will no longer feel held back and feel like, oh, I can't do it. Once you hear prophetic, you just remove yourself from the equation. No, we're not going to do that. We are a prophetic generation. And God has called us for such a time as this. And so we're going to be looking at, you know, just tying it together. I'm going to do my best within the time that I have left to just share with us some practical steps on how we can actually do this prophetic evangelism. All right, so let's first talk about evangelism. And I will just run through this because we already know this. So evangelism is literally preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, right? So it's what God has sent us to do. It is the commissioning that God has given us that we who have received Christ preach same to others, right? Amen? Amen. All right. I know we are still loaded in the spirit. Don't worry. Okay. So Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? So talking about the people that we are believing God for. And it says, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And then how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So the, the, the crux of evangelism is that people get to believe. But before they believe, they have to hear. And before they hear, they must be preached to. And so the idea of evangelism is that someone is preaching to, to, to them. And we have been called to do that. That's the commissioning that God has given us. And so gone are the days where we say, oh, Okay, let me not say gone are the days. Let me put it as a balance. So let's balance this out when we say our lifestyle will do the preaching. No, okay. Yes, it's good that our lifestyle will do the preaching, but we actually have to vocalize. We have to vocalize. This is the commissioning. God says, go out and preach the gospel because people cannot believe if they don't hear. And they don't hear if they are not, they are not taught. And so every one of us here, we are under that atmosphere. We are under that unction and commissioning to go out and preach the gospel. To preach the good news that Christ died for us. And he resurrected, right? And we are seated with him in heavenly places. But we are not just seated with him in heavenly places. And he did, didn't just die so we can go to heaven. So that's the... That's also the, the part of the message that makes the finishing generation a little different. Where we are not just trying to gather people to go to heaven. We are trying to gather people who will be an embodiment of heaven here. That Christ is the way. He's the truth. And he's the life. So most times we talk about him being the way. But we don't always talk about him being the truth that we must live by. And the life that must emit out of us. 
And so people need to see the life of Christ lived out of us. And people need to know that they too can live that life of Christ. If not, everything should have just ended in the beginning. It ended when Jesus died. But it did not end because other people needed to live that life. God wanted to show that it was possible to live that life. When the first Adam made a mistake, God brought the one that is incorruptible. And, that be, and because he died, many others can now come to that very life that God planned for us before time. That life of Christ-likeness. That's why our goal is Christ-likeness, holiness, purity, righteousness, living the life of Christ. And so we must go out to talk about this. So we already know this, I believe. And so the next scripture I will be reading is Matthew chapter 10, verse 6 to 8. So this is also part of the commissioning that God gave. And this was Jesus. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So God has told us that I gave you something, you have a life. And this is where it gets interesting because we need to start to ask ourselves, what did I receive? Because if I'm struggling to give it, then I must ask myself, what exactly have I received? Am I stewarding what I've received well? And God is saying, go out. You are not just going to heal the sick, raise the dead. You are also going to tell them that the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of heaven is near. And so as the finishing church, we are saying that we are not just being prepared for manifestation. We are also preparing for his return. It is so funny how we live in a world where people are debating whether it is the season of God's return or not. Instead, the, what God has told us in his word that when it comes to his return, the assignment we have is what? Preparation. Not debating. Not trying to like, ah, decode. Ah, revelation is like we are in chapter 3 now. I have not yet reached chapter 10. That was not what God said we should do. It says that we should keep our lamp burning. We should be like the five wise virgins, right? Prepared in and out of season for him to come back for us. So part of the message that we are carrying out and we are sending out is God is coming, but not in a way to scare you, but he wants to first come in you. He wants to first embody you. He wants to first carry you, right? He wants you to be overwhelmed by him. And then that same overwhelming nature of Christ that is on the inside of us, we go out and get others to be in that same place. That is the assignment. And in the process of doing this, we heal the sick. Not just those who are sick physically, but those who are emotionally, mentally, psychologically ill. We are in a world now where depression is on, in fact, it's on a rise, right? And even believers are almost losing hope in such a way that they've not been able to see how the living word can bring life to them, even in cases of depression. It feels like religion. It feels like, no, you guys don't understand. I'm not against therapy. I'm only just saying that if your therapy is not infused by the spirit of the Lord, if the word that is coming to you is not from the spirit of the Lord, you will just have moments of relief. The healing of the sick here is beyond just those who have a headache. It is those whose brains are aching them. Who can't see past 
their current challenges. Now, when you two are carrying weight, what kingdom do you want to go and tell them it's here? Because you are the carrier of the kingdom. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is now where? Within. It is now within. It is now within man. And so you go to somebody that is depressed and you too, you are also morose and depressed. What kingdom are you giving? How would you be able to heal? How can you bring comfort? So part of our thrust in this time is not, it's not just to be that person that knows how to talk the good talk. And tell people, go and read this book. No, no, you must be led by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit must be telling you what to say to them. Sometimes, do you know what can cure someone's depression? A hug. And this is where we're going to go as we look at prophetic evangelism. Because it's what the Holy Spirit will tell you. I've hugged people and they just broke down crying. I did not say a word. I did not say a word. Hasn't that happened to some of you? You just hug them. There are times the Holy Spirit will say, don't say anything, just go and hug her. And she starts crying. And then the Holy Spirit starts to tell you what to say to her. That is how powerful God is. That is how powerful the kingdom we are from is. Don't discountenance anything in our work, in, in, you know, in our work with God in, in, in this season of evangelism. Dr. Woodruff said it the last time, like depend on, on the Holy Spirit and depend on God to show you the, the, the methodology to use per time. But evangelize we must. This is what God wants us to do. He wants us to go and preach the message. And before we open our mouth, we must leave the message. It is easier to preach a message that is your reality when that song says let the truth of your kingdom reign in me that this is what is reigning in me it's easier to go and tell somebody get up Peter said silver and gold I don't have all. I don't have the things that you would you think you need but I have what I know you need and it takes being a prophetic person to know what someone needs irrespective of what they're even asking for how many times do people go and meet Jesus and Jesus would, literally, he's, they're asking him a question and he's talking about something else. And you're like, what brought up? Because he knows what is on the Father's heart concerning that thing itself. And so that is the assignment. So we must be a people who already carry the word, live out this life of Christ, live in the kingdom, and then we can then go and share it to others. Moving right along, because we still have Anyway, Pastor has said that I don't have to finish it all today. Um, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, it says, So, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the, and the, of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You see, it's interesting that because he's sending them to the nations, he now assures them that, I got you because I'm going to send you to some places that will not be funny. But I'm with you to the very end of the age. And because this time around, he's also telling them to obey every instruction. He's telling them to tell the people that obedience is really what I'm after. 
I want to bring people to a place of maturity. And so from all of that, we can deduce that when it comes to the outcome of our outreach, as we said, for some, we're going to be preaching as a witness. We've said it time and time again. And being a witness means that you are sharing it as a seed. There is no point of witnessing Christ that is a waste. The absolute, see, whether you, you never see that person again or never hear about that person again, don't even worry yourself. There is no time you witness Christ that it is not recorded in heaven. There is no time you witness Christ that that seed is not planted. Absolutely no time. And so don't be worried about what the outcome is. Sometimes the outcome is just you sharing it as a witness. Okay. And then, and then the other way, you know, the other outcome is to bring them to a place of decision. And that place is also a place of obedience, like the scripture says. You say, you teach them to obey all the things that I have taught you. And so with us, you see that that is not just for unbelievers. When you're talking obedience, you're now talking also to believers. You're now becoming an example. You're saying, actually, purity is cool. God will have us live in righteousness. We should be able to obey God in this way. And so this is one of the outcomes of our evangelism, where people come to a place of decision making, where people come to a place where they are like, okay, I want to, I want to follow the same precepts and these values. And then the, the third one, just summarily, is a place of maturity. This is where we talk about sonship. This is where we talk about discipleship. This is where we talk about inheritance. Those who are going to literally live out as Christ here as well. And so there are some people that you will be sent to that you have to bring them under an like atmosphere of discipleship so that they can mature. There are people around you that are literally hungry. They are like, there's more to God than what is happening to me right now. And then you are the one that will step out and tell them, yes, actually there is. God is emphasizing for us to be, you know, reformed from the inside out. Come to a place of maturity in Christ Jesus. That is what the goal is. And so we start to tell them about God. We start to update them. That is what Priscilla and Aquila did. Right? They went to Apollos and they, Apollos was really, really like, you know, zealous with what he knew about God. And then they came and took him aside and said, you know, this thing you know is actually like it's, it's on point. However, there's more. And so part of our assignment as the finishing generation is to bring people to that place of more. There's something we have. There's something we know. And Dr. Woodruff will, do, will, say, will say it's not arrogance, it's just the truth. I mean, who, who, is Aquila, who is Aquila and Priscilla to call up Apollos aside and say, you know. But they, they knew something. And you'll be shocked. There's so many people that are like, not even you'll be shocked. How many of us can testify? We're sharing this life and people are like, really? So there's, this is possible. I remember the first time I came across the reformation message. I was so like, what? I was just like, my God. So this is, hey, hey, so this is it now. There's more. This is what I've been missing. So Christ-likeness is possible. Every time, even when you were in church, they'll tell you, be like Jesus, be like Jesus. But, who understands that, Yoruba? 
He didn't enter inside. He's not from really inside. Yeah. That is why they can't lay down principles for you on how to actually, you know, become it and exemplify it to themselves. They say, do as I preach, not as I do. And over time, like the Pharisee, they literally do all they can to win you. Then they now make you 10 times the candidate of hell. How is that even possible? That also means that there are grades. Anyway, let me not get into that. Just like how there are levels in heaven. There are levels for hell too. Because how, how are you, how is it that your, your candidacy, the quality of your candidacy is, is even more ripe? And so, we must be able to preach this word. When I went to Adoikiti, to Afebabalala University, I saw so many young zealous people who were excited. You know how it was now, uni and just like, ah. And then I came up to talk about consecration. It was their theme. It wasn't my, that was their theme, consecrated. You could hear a pin drop. Because it, it's not sweet to the flesh. It's not. And the devil, you know, do you know the crazy, you know when the Bible says that if he doesn't shorten the days, even his elect will be deceived. Because the devil is so coded. Right? He's obvious to the spirit, those who are walking in the spirit. But he's also very coded. He's not going to come to you and say, don't love God. Or don't follow God. No, follow God, but walk in the flesh. He's actually very satisfied with believers who are walking in the flesh. I was listening, like, you know, way back to a satanist who was talking about, um, who, a former satanist anyway, and he used to be into witchcraft and all of that. And he would talk about territories that they, they, that they, that they have control over. And he says that there are some churches that they thrive that they thrive in churches. Like it says demons, that they will just, and they call themselves. It, it, scripture tells us now that when you go into a place, you see that place is empty. Oh yeah, let's go and take charge of this atmosphere. It happens. When you enter into an empty church, not in terms of numbers, but the quality of Christ-likeness, ah, that's room for demons now. And so you find that a lot of times we are in experiences or we're in spaces or, you know, what believers have experienced a lot of times is the, I, I have God, I love God, but I also house some demons, even though I know or I don't know. And that's what used to happen. But God is sending us on a message, on, on an errand right now to say, okay, you know what, go and bring people to a place of maturity. Maturity is where you walk by the spirit and not the flesh. Where the flesh dies. Pastor always says that God loves the aroma of burning flesh. It's like suya. For those that love suya, you can smell it from afar. You're like, ah, it won't be bad. Yeah, God loves that. And every time our flesh dies, we give room for our spirits to break out. More like every time we allow our spirits break out, our flesh dies. So they walk together. They walk together. And God is saying, go and make people like you. It says, except a seed, right, falls to the ground and dies. It abides alone. So except, 
I, I can't make disciples if I don't die first. So I must die to flesh, die to my ambitions and all of that. And so that is what we must then carry to others. Okay, let's move to prophecy now. So prophecy is accessing the heart and mind of God and ministering that to the people. Amen. It is also like forth telling, for example. And so when Ephesians 4, 11 tells us that he gave some, that Jesus Christ, you know, came and he gave some to be apostles and prophets for the equipping of the saints and all of that. So you see that one of the reasons why the prophetic is giving is to be equipped, right? To come to maturity. And what, and, and what is the method is because you access the heart and mind of God. You accept the heart and mind of God. The prophetic is what accesses God's heart and mind. That is why we can't afford to say, I, I, I'm not prophetic. What you are saying is, I don't access the heart and mind of God. But all of us should be prophetic. Because Ephesians 4 was given so that we will carry the prophetic dimension. And so we also see that every Christian may not be called to the office of the prophet, but every Christian can prophesy. So you may not be called to the office as per Ephesians 4.11, because he gave some. And the office really is, is to build up others, right, in coming to that place of being prophetic. And most times you find that people who are called into the office actually have, you know, also a building of the nation's mandate. But the gift of prophecy is that which then makes every believer prophesy to one another or to other people. Okay, let me move right along. There's still more. And so let us look at some of the principles of prophecy. Number one, it is a gift of the spirit. A lot of people have access. They can see things illegally. The spirit realm is like that. Those people who read palms and all those funny things that they do. Yeah, they see illegally. All those babalao that they go and drop things for that see people's, yeah, it's illegal seeing. And so God is saying that for you as a believer, this is a gift of the spirit that you must operate in by the spirit. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says there are different kinds of gifts. So this shows you that it's a gift, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So it is a gift of the spirit. And every believer has access to the gifts of the spirit, whether or not you're called to the office of a prophet. So we move right along. The second one is, it is powered and propelled by love. And we can actually sleep here. This was actually the message that the Lord also, like, literally said, can we emphasize this? Because we have a lot of people who truly, because prophecy has, it has a, it is one of the easy ways to get glory. And if the flesh is kind of loud or still very alive, you will find that you'll be, you, it will be hungry, that glory, to get that glory will be hungry in you. But what must drive every time we want to walk in the gift of prophecy is love. It is love for God, love for his will, 
and love for the people. It is your personal work with, do you understand? Your love for God. Then your love for his will. And then the love for the people. It must drive us. 1 Corinthians 13 says, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have faith, I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And so we, we are not, the essence of our going out and our evangelism is not to end up being nothing. So even if we want to go out and do the work of God, we must be going out propelled by love. And it is at this point that you find a lot of people who, We'll talk about the practices that you can, you know, just things to note on when you are prophesying. But there are some people that is only negative prophecy. They know how to give somebody. I saw you last night. You were doing something you should not have been doing. The Lord is warning you. <laughs> have you come across people that is only negative words? They, I, when, 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 let me tell you guys. Now that everybody is talking about Lady Kems and the prophet, I did not like it though. Growing up, I did not like the prophet because all I experienced was those ones they used to call out that something is inside them. They even did it for me one time. They called me out and I thought, ah, okay, what was happening? I, like I fell. I was at the back. I was not even paying attention to what was going on. I just noticed that something happened and I was on the floor. They can bring her. There is a psychedelic spirit here. We need to pray now. I'm telling you guys, this happened to me in real life. Since that day, if they say prophet this, prophet, there's somebody that wants to pray for us in the house. I used to run. No, I don't want. He was saying some things. And you know the pressure. I remember my mom, bless her heart. Said, did she tell you that she used to dream and see this, this, this? My mom was like, yeah. yeah. She was under pressure. I was like, when? <laughs> I was on the floor and I was like, When? How? When did this happen? So I just, so they carried us to a special room and they were praying for different things. Different things were coming out of different people. I said, God, why am I here? Do you know, since then, anytime they want to prophesy and they always look for me to prophesy, I used to run. I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to hear. And so that dented me with the prophetic. It, I just, it just felt, anytime they, ah, like, what did they, what did I do yesterday? I beg, I'm not ready. That's what used to happen to me. And so, but you see, when, when prophecy is propelled by love, oh my goodness, when you are able to see the heart of God for a person, even when, because there are sometimes God he will show you that something is not quite right, but you will not say something is not quite right. You will not ask the Lord, what should I say? Should I even say? Because if it's propelled by love, they will be experiencing the comfort, the edification, inside clarity from the Lord. I told God I entered into a covenant. I always gist my mentees and all of that. I tell God, don't show me. I don't want to see anything bad. You know how some people say, ah, I dreamed that this person died. I said, God, in all our prophetic dealings, please don't show me. If I can't do anything about it. So the way God and I work is that he only shows me when I can do something about it. And that's where my intercessory gift now comes into play. I see bad things though. But the deal is that something must be done about it. So there are people that always want to see bad, bad things. Ah, God used to show, and I saw it yesterday. I'm like, why are you excited? Why? You shouldn't want to. You really, 
Because if love is propelling you, you I've, 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 deal, I've said, God, this thing, we must, we would, we would pray. I have an incident. I think it was one of our sister's sister. I don't know her. And I dreamt about her. And I said, God, I don't know this person. And I saw, literally, was, oh, death. And I said, God, no. You know how we do now. And we prayed. And the Lord said, call the sister to pray with her. You don't have to tell her. You just say, ah, hey, that's not your sister. Let's pray. I just feel led. Let's pray for her. She said, hey. And so she called the sister after and said, hey, how are you doing? She said that, ah. Literal words that her sister said was, I died while she was giving birth. She does not know how she made it through. She just came that night, that night we were talking about. And then she called me back. I was like, ah, this is what happened. I didn't see anything. I was like, this is what I was like, yeah, that, that was actually, but God wanted us to get victory. God was showing us victory. I'm saying this to say that you must be led as you prophesy to people. Enter that deal with God. There's nothing bad. Say, God, don't show me bad things that I can't do anything about. And since then, it feels good to be a partner. Like that scripture, from fellowship to partnership, God and I, we can change situations. Because the heart of God is redemptive. Even when God sent Jonah to Nineveh, God was not only just trying to redeem Nineveh, he was trying to redeem Jonah. Even though those people, their wickedness had reached peak. God says that if I can find 10 people in a place, I will not destroy it. All I need is just somebody that will say, okay, God, how do you want these things to be so that we can pray it into being and walk it into being? So prophecy must be propelled by love. Let me move right along. Then the third thing is that it should be desired. So let's look at it like a sandwich. The first one, was that it's a gift of the spirit. So we acknowledge it's a gift of the spirit. But then it must be propelled by what? Love. The meat inside. The main, that's what makes it a sandwich. That's what makes it a burger. And then the next side is that it should also what? Be desired. So there are people that are like, oh, ah, it's love. Oh, love is the most important thing. Love is the most important thing. Eh, but prophesy now. The Bible tells you, desire it. Some people are afraid. Because they're like, ah, what it now makes me get into my head? Da, 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 da. God says, desire it. It says, pursue love. Yet, desire earnestly. Do you know why some people don't, can't, they're not working prophetic? It's not earnest. Because if your heart is that, I want to bring comfort, edification, life to this person as God is seeing them. I want to bring them into the kingdom. If that's what is in your heart, you desire the prophetic. So what happened with me was that I just noticed that anytime I see someone, I would just be knowing things. There are some very strange things that I would just know. And I'm like, why, God, why do I know this? That was how it started. That was when I knew that, oh, there's something like this. This is the prophetic that is working. I just used to know things. Especially about people and women in particular. I would look at a woman and I can see the brokenness. And I'm like, God, what? say pray. And then you, from there, you start talking to them, sharing the life of God with them and all of that. So it was from there that I said, ah, so this thing has, this is, the, this is what God wants. This is the positive side. Then I started to desire it even more. That I can bring comfort to my sister. Why wouldn't I want to desire it? That is the reason why. 
It says pursue, yeah, desire spiritual goods, but especially that you may prophesy. Especially that you may prophesy. So of all the gifts of healing and administration and service and, you know, discerning of spirits, it says especially that I can look at Esther and say, God will have you do this. And it will be like, how did you know? And bring this sense of direction. We'll see it. Let's go. Let me move. So that's the amplified version as well. Pursue this love with eagerness. Make it your goal. Yet earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gift to be used by believers for the benefit of the church. But especially that you may prophesy to foretell the future, to speak a new message from God to the people. Why did I start prophesying and, you know, sharing about Nigeria? Because somebody needed to do it. Somebody needed to bring comfort to the people. Somebody needed to give the good news of what God is saying concerning Nigeria to the people. And so you too can. All right, let me move right along. It is also for the common good. That's another principle. It says now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Not for self pumping, but for the common good. I, when I was reading through and I saw the spirit, it says, to the one that is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. The Holy Spirit said, that's, that's what happens to you. Do you know that there are days I sit on this, as I'm coming, I'm like, God, anything, please don't, anything you tell me, just tell me, let me keep quiet. And severally, he will tell me, it is not your wisdom. It is not your knowledge. And it is not for you alone. It is for the common good. That, that thing that you just know how, you just know what you know. And how we can bless the people of God. It's not about you. It's not about your personality or that you talk too much. I've given you the what? It's the spirit of wisdom and spirit of knowledge. You know it. I gave you. It is not for you, but for the common good. So if I withhold in the, in the bid to seem humble, I am not actually doing the work of God. I'm not equipping the saints. Imagine pastor just comes one day. Let me just be looking at two people's faces. Let me not be like, I like preaching too much. He won't do. You understand? Even healing. can say, I like healing too much. If the Holy Spirit does not say, don't, don't heal. It's not that the Holy Spirit will not say, will say, tell you don't heal. Because it will go against his word. It's that he will maybe restrain you from doing one like healing someone in a particular in a particular way but that you should not heal is not biblical everybody you meet that is in pain you have a responsibility as a child of god to pray for that person your responsibility is not to see the hand go straight your responsibility is not to work it out you have a responsibility to heal the sick. Heal them and go. If God doesn't then put them in your direction, that's a different ballgame. Anyway, let me just, yeah. So it says all these works are, one, are, are of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So we must remember that this is for the common good. So our prophesying is for the common good. And it says also that it is for strengthening edification and comfort of the people and the church. 
The Bible says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them, but they utter mysteries by the Spirit. Fantastic. But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, edification, and comfort. We speak more in tongues than we prophesy. And they are telling you that this one is more important in the scale. You see how tongues can blow out of a believer. It can just pour out of him. That is how prophecy should be pouring out of us. Based on this scripture. It says, anyone who speaks in tongues, edify, now, now yourself, you edify you. Which is good. But the one who prophesies does what? Edifies the church. And this is how prophecy and apostolic graces work together. Because the word edifying and edification comes from the word edifice. When you talk about a building. The the inside inside of the prophetic is actually a building grace. Because you are building people up. You are edifying the church. There is a beauty you are bringing. You know when you say something is is an edifice, it's like, ah, it's it's something to behold. And so every time you come to the people of God, you ought to be what? Building them up. And so I'm talking about the prophetic to just make us understand how, you know. Please don't need more time. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. And so God has called us to do that. To strengthen, edify, and comfort the people of God. You are not just comforting the people of God. You are also comforting unbelievers. You see, now this is where prophetic evangelism comes in. So we're going to look at where they meet. So evangelism is ministering what you know and have been taught. What you know of God. You've been taught the good news, right? You know it. Prophecy is ministering what is revealed by God. So sometimes it's not preconceived. Most times. Prophecy is not preconceived. It's not your own knowledge. It is the knowledge of God that is flowing through you. And so we are now called, so prophetic evangelism is being called to do both because they work hand in hand. The gift of prophecy aids and enhances our evangelism. All right. And so Isaiah chapter 61, it says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort. You see the prophetic. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of of, a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness and edifice. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So it's like part A is evangelism. Part B, you'll be using the prophetic to achieve this. They work hand in hand. You are seeing the building up. You are seeing the comforting, the encouraging. 
you are helping them, those who are broken. How do you know if God doesn't tell you? Because we're not judging with our eyes. I say, ah, it's like you, I saw her in the bathroom. It's like she's broken. No. No. It's the Holy Spirit that will reveal. And what, what's the end goal? To bind. So it's not to detect the brokenness, but to make them whole. So as we are going out, so this is where evangelism and the prophetic meet. We are going to share what we know and reveal what we did not know. All right. So prophetic evangelism is the act of ministering what is known through what is unknown. So you want to tell God, tell them about Jesus. You now tell them about things that you ordinarily would not have known about themselves. So you go and meet someone. You're talking to someone. God is revealing certain things to you about them. And it's opening a gateway for you to tell them about Jesus. And it says, it is the act of ministering what is known through what is unknown, but revealed for the advancement of the purposes of God. So we are not just revealing them, but we want to advance God's kingdom. Prophetic evangelism allows a person know that they are seen by God. Do you remember when we had that exercise, Bezalel, here, where I was like, okay, pray with your partner, pick someone, and then share what it is that God loves about them. People were crying here. Why? Because it felt like, oh, so God sees me. God sees that part of me. I can't tell you how many times that has happened to me. I'm like, oh my God. God, so you noticed because you're doing this work, you're following God, and God is sharing. And sometimes it's, it's someone who doesn't have a relationship with God. And then the third thing is, prophetic evangelism brings a person into relationship with God and maturity in him. But it means that you who are evangelizing must first have that relationship and intimacy with God because you can't give what you don't have. You can't bring people into a place you have never been. People cannot experience prophetically what you have not experienced prophetically. So even when you want to go and minister to people, you must first be ministered to by God. It requires intimacy. Prophetic evangelism, it requires what? Intimacy. You yourself, you can't give a love you've not received, guys. You have to have received that dimension before you can give it to others. So prophetic evangelism, so what makes it effective? is effective when God does the speaking and not when you go with a preconceived word. Yeah, that's when it's effective. There's something we call word from knowledge, not word of knowledge. Sometimes because you know someone, from the knowledge you know of the person, you can and I want to share. Sometimes it can be effective. But most times, defective. So it's important that you don't go with your own preconceived idea of what, no, let it be what God wants to do. Let God enter into the room. Sometimes you want to share. You want to say, oh, and God says, no, like I said, give her a hug. 
Invite him for lunch. Maybe his dealings with God was that God, nobody even cares. Nobody has ever even asked me, let's go out for lunch. That's his own private conversation with God. But then you, because you are prophetic, you now come and you're like, huh, I see Canada. I see Europe. You are going to the nations. I best like, amen, amen. And God is like, that's not what I sent you. Invite him for lunch. And then you tell the person, would you mind going out for lunch today? And they're like, eh? And they're like, God. Because what it does is that it, it makes the person, we talked about seeing by God, like you go back to God and you're like, God, how did that happen? So being prophetic right now as we go about our work, we can't be preemptive. You can't assume. You can't go with your own preconceived notion that I have to tell them about the nations. No, sometimes God just wants you to, you know, just love. Just let them soak in the love of God in that way because all of it is still the love of God. So prophetic evangelism is effective when you are working with God and not just working for God. Hmm. A lot of prophets are just working because the gift is without what? Repentance. So they will go out, say one or two things that are accurate. But what makes your prophetic utterance accurate is when it's in alignment with the heart of God. Not because you saw it. So as we go out to speak to people, partner with God. That's why I was so happy about the song from Fellowship to Partnership. Because you yourself, you have that intimate relationship with God. You're like, okay, God, let's work together. And then he tells you, this is what I want you to do. This is who I, where I want you to go. It is that working with God that will make you go to places you wouldn't ordinarily go. Because you know that it's you and God that are going. There's this amazing girl I follow, Naya Cerise. She recently just went on a trip, road trip, evangelism work with her team, with their team. And they went to Ukraine, as in, not like last year, as in now. They passed, they went into the buses and places, shelters, people are staying, they were praying for them, ministering Christ to them. If she's not working with God, she will not go. They will say, use brain, use wisdom. That's what they will tell us, Abby. Use wisdom. Forgetting that the wisdom of God is first what? Pure. No self-preservation inside. No personal intent inside. The wisdom of God is what? Pure. And so, she, she's able to do that. Why? Because she's working with God. And so for us, God will be sending us to places we will not be afraid to go. Yes, we may have nerves, but we will not be afraid because we are working with him. And so for our evangelism to be effective, this is what is necessary. Prophetic evangelism is effective when you are intimate and have knowledge of the nature of God before you represent him to a people. Like what I shared earlier. Most times people don't know that the nature of God is redemptive. And so they want to go and show. Do you know that even when God uses prophecy to warn, will you warn who you don't care about? Will you waste your breath warning somebody that you don't care for the outcome of their lives? Even when God will send Jeremiah, Ezekiel, go and tell them, go on. Why is God sending them with that fierceness? Is it not the fierceness of his love that is leading it? If he didn't care, 
He wouldn't. Even when prophecy is for warning, right? Let's say it's not strict, it's not edifying, it's not comforting, it's not your medium job. It is still what? Because of the love of God. You must know the nature of God before you go and represent him. You can't go to someone and when you are now judgmental, I see someone with tattoo and be like, ah, this person is gone. Where do I start from? You have lost really before you started. You see a girl, she's wearing mini skirt and I'm like, hmm. Now what? Okay, God, let's go. Oh, yeah, tell me something about her. You will hear your own voice. So you must understand the nature. As we are going out, know your father. Don't do the one he didn't send you. Know that his heart is redemptive. Always be asking the Lord, Father, where is your redemption in this? I remember when we were looking at the book of Revelation. I was like, yeah? And you know, I was just in judgment. Yeah, I was like, wow. And I said, God, no. Give me expo. Show me your love inside. And the book of Revelation now became the greatest love story ever told to the body of Christ. Because you will always see. Same thing with Job. I found it difficult. Let me tell you, we've preached this message about Job for a long time, Abby. I found it difficult to understand that all God wanted to do with Job was boast. He did not sit well with me. I said, God, I know your nature. Boasting is not going to add to who you are. There must be a reason why Job is going. It's not because you wanted to boast that Job is not. You know now that Job will not, he will not deny you. Did you really want to prove that to the devil? I don't see God wanting to prove to the devil. The devil. It doesn't add up. So when we are reading certain scriptures, there are certain things we must be what? Looking for. When you are going out to minister to the heart of people and you want to represent God, that's what you should be looking for. And then the God, Lord started to show me down the line. He said, see now, I wanted to upgrade Job, not by, with money. He had been seeing me, right? He had been seeing, he had been hearing about me. I wanted him to see me. I just use the devil as a tool to bring Job to a place where he can see me. A higher, you thought that was righteousness. I wanted to bring him to a great dead level of righteousness. It was not about God boasting and now make him have money. Did he say he was complaining before with the money he had? So understand the nature of God when you are going out. Okay. Almost done. Please. Almost done. Almost done. And so, how do we then do this? These are some of the internal, this is like the internal architecture that must drive us as we're going out to, to prophetically evangelize. The first one is faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So anything we are doing that does not have faith, we're not pleasing God. So let's, we, we check that, right? So we go out knowing, having faith that God will speak and whatever God will say will be so. You must trust that what God will say to you will be what? Will be so. You must trust that God will speak through you. You must have faith in God that indeed the people I will go and talk to or the people I will go and meet, their lives will be changed. They will come to a place of restoration and redemption. You don't go and start jittering and saying, ah, okay, God, no, 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 no. We must have faith. We must be a people of faith if we are going to evangelize. Let me move to the next one. Hope. Christ in us is the hope of glory. 
So one of the internal things that must be steady in us is hope. You must have hope for yourself. You must have hope for the person that you are going to meet. So if you go and meet and you're like, it's like this one has gone, he has, he has sold his soul. No. So this is, this is the how, but on the inside. This is the internal driver. You are going out and you are seeing the hope for that person's life. This is one of our, in fact, I always, I say this, uh, even every, even my coach, you know, my coaching that people are paying me for, I talk about these three things. They are like our greatest resources as believers. It doesn't look like it. The Bible says what? Hope does not disappoint. And so you carry what does not disappoint as you go out. And you step out there and you're looking at somebody and you're speaking and you're like, I see your future. I see, I see the possibility of you coming into Christ. I see what is possible for you in God. And then love. Bible says love never fails. That one goes without saying. And so when you go out and speak to people, and you're like, ah, I feel like I want to pray for you. I don't know if you have a pain in your, in your chest or your back. And like, no, actually, I don't. Like, okay, let me pray with you anyway. You don't go there and feel like, ha, ah, I did not get it right. No. Because you went in faith, in hope, and then in love, it did not fail. Your prophetic evangelism did not fail because you did not get the thing about them right. I want to say that to us now. Because love what? Never fails. Once you step out in God, and you step out in love, and you say, ah, is there pain? It's like, no, there's no pain in my back, but I feel a pain in my leg. It's all good. There are examples of somebody, like you go and meet someone, and you're like, oh, I feel there's something, do you feel a pain in your leg? I want to pray for you. Like, thank you so much, it's my head, but please still pray for me. Love never fails. So they felt the love of God coming to them, whether it was accurate or not. It happens. So don't go with the, ah, I want to be accurate, I want to get the word now. When Jesus said, go and bring me your husband, sometimes people are like, um, you quite missed it. He did not. Do you understand? When God was telling the, Jesus was telling Samaritan, and call your husband, where is your husband? It would be like, ah, but you, but you didn't get it. You were not really on the money. You should have said that. Yes, this did it first. No, no, no. God, he knew what he was doing. And so sometimes he's bringing her what? Comfort. He's bringing her love. He's bringing her hope. That is the internal thing that is about to pass to her. It's not about the accuracy of, oh, yes, you're the one you're even with now. It's not your husband. That was not the end game. The end game was to carry that life. That hope. To tell her that there's more. There's water. There's living water for you. That was the essence. So Jesus did not fail. I actually planned that we're going to watch the videos by pastor's permission. Okay. All right. And so these are now external practices. Pray in the Holy Spirit. So every time we want to go out, before you go out, because the Bible has said that when you go out and you, speak, when you want to pray for someone, you start speaking in tongues there and there. Um, yeah. It's, it can edify you so that you can, but what I wrote here is as a lifestyle. Because when you are someone who prays in the Holy Ghost as a lifestyle, 
you you are most most likely going to be more prophetic than someone who doesn't. Yeah. So praying in the Holy Ghost is very important. Praying in tongues is very important. But you you must be someone who cultivates it as a, as a lifestyle. It gives you access to the heart and mind of God. That is what praying in tongues does. And so when you when you live out this life, and so sometimes you may have that opportunity here and now, you know, you just meet someone and you were not really thinking about it. You can be praying in tongues under your breath before you like speak to them. And so that really would help. And then studying of the word, it increases your ability to know God's voice. So a lot of people say, I don't know if it's God that's looking at da, 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 da. When you, if you are in that boat, you don't read your Bible. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying that's the truth. People who know the word know God. Because in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. So if you're feeling challenged in the area of hearing God, study more. Trust me. I always tell people, my greatest encounters are with the word of God. I'm reading the scripture and I'm like, boom. Light. I'll just be like, God. So when I access the heart and mind of God in the written word, ah, that's like my greatest prophetic encounter. And so that's what happens. That when you now go out and you want to talk to somebody, you, you just, you just, you know that voice. You know that voice. And then the other way is to prophesy. How can I prophesy, darling? Prophesy. Talk. Pour it out. Open your mouth. Say it. You can't, you can't practice prophecy in your, in your house. Except you will still have to do it. Even if you're doing it in your house, you do it to your husband. Or you do it to your friend. You do it with your colleague. But you must what? Prophesy. The Bible says that those by reason of use, it says, but solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is those who by reason of use, you see the words highlighted there, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So you have to be able to discern, okay, is this the voice of God or not? But how can you do that? You will speak as the voice of God first. When you speak and nothing happens, the Bible says it now. If it does not come to pass, then that means what they said was not good. Finish. You move on, right? And we say love does not fail. So you go out. As we're going out, we're going to speak to people and we're going to share with people the life of God and say things to them. As you say it, you can't know sometimes if it will come to pass until it does. You are not a false prophet because you said a wrong prophetic word. You are a false prophet when you do not live in accordance to the word of God. Meaning God does not know you. And all of us seated in this room, does God know you? Do you know God? So you are not a false prophet. So on the day that you give a word that is not accurate, you are not a what? False prophet. So let that one be settled. Because if you don't act out in faith, you will never know that you can prophesy. Says those by reason of use. Sorry. So how do you use, exercise, develop your senses? Number one, word of knowledge. So this was where I was going to share the video, but I think time is up. So would, Pastor said we'll do it on Wednesday. And a word of knowledge is a fact revealed to you by the Holy Spirit about the past or present that you couldn't know without the revelation of the Holy Spirit. So this is how you start to use. 
there are times that as the Lord is speaking to you, so I think we'll do this on Wednesday because it's, there's quite a lot to cover under the, you know, word of knowledge, but, you know, just know that it is something that you wouldn't have known if the Holy Spirit didn't tell you. And we see Jesus do that with the woman in, you know, by the well. He even did it with Nathaniel as well. And Nathaniel was like, how did you know? So um, the other thing is, as you use word of knowledge, we'll talk about it on Wednesday, but as you use word of knowledge, plan to encourage, edify, and comfort. So when you're going out to people, let that be your plan. God, let me tell you, if you go out with God, who can I encourage today? You will be prophetic. Sometimes it's not far. Sometimes it's just, you know, we've, we've missed the person. Do you know sometimes there, there, are, there are times I'm like, God, what is on the heart of my husband? And then he starts leading me to pray. Or sometimes he will, he will make me do the thing that will then resolve what is on his heart. Tell me my sister's pain point. Like my blood, like blood sister or not sister by, by church. Tell me her pain, what is on her heart. How can I resolve the pains in her heart? That's how you start to learn to be prophetic. How can I encourage Yudi? And he drops a word. And so you stay in the spirit, right? Then you ask for a word of wisdom from the Lord. So a lot of times when God shares me, I'm like, okay, God, I can see this, but what's the word of wisdom here? What do I tell them to do? You know, the day Prophet Tommy Arami was giving a prophecy to me and he was talking about us, the church, and he was saying, if you allow me, I'll put the author on the inside of you. That was a word of wisdom in giving in, in, in knowing that, yes, God wants us to be authors. He has called us to be authors and all of that. We are writing books. He said so many things that were word of knowledge, right? But then the word of wisdom was, if you allow me. So I can decide not to allow him. So the word of wisdom is, go and create space in your life that will allow God make you into an author. You see someone and you're like, ah, this person is struggling with sexual sin. You will not go and say, ah, this sin it will soon finish you and all of that. No, you will just be like, I sense that the Lord wants to bring you to a place of righteousness and purity. And he wants to, you know, if you can allow him work in you in such a way that your life. So wisdom, when you are doing prophetic, don't always seek for the wisdom of God. Every time you hear a word of God, you say, God, what, okay, what's the word of wisdom here? Sometimes you may not get it in the immediate. You just pray for the person in the hope. Do you see the principle now? That what you sense God wants to do in them will be done in them. So you don't have to say, okay, I actually see this. No, you can just pray. And so ask for a word of wisdom. And in the place of planning to edify and stay in the spirit, that's where you pray. Then other important practices, start where you are. Start where you are, your office, your house, your family, your home. The boldness I had to share that this is what the Lord is saying concerning Nigeria was because I had been talking to Esther one-on-one. I would say, ah, Esther, this is what God is saying, this is what God is I would tell Kita, ah, God, this is what God is I would tell my sisters, I would tell my husband, like, ah. You understand? Because I've been able to share what I sense God is saying to them. When now he was taking me to a different space, the boldness now came because I had been doing that. So start where you are. See, you are the vehicle. God is the message. Everywhere. Everywhere. Just know that you can share the life of God anywhere. Anywhere. If there are people that can preach in bus stops and whatever, nothing is stopping you. 
wherever you find yourself. The next one is build relationships with people. Be conversational. Jesus went there. I was like, ah, please, can I have a drink? Well, ah, see sense. See entry points. You can't, you just go there. Uh, the Lord wants to give, wants me to share something with you. And they're like, okay. No. Be conversational. If there's an opportunity to just say, hi, you look so beautiful. Your hair is so beautiful. Sometimes you can ask. It's easier to say, can I encourage you than can I prophesy over you? So you don't have to say, can I prophesy over you? But you can use the principle of prophecy to speak to them. Is there any area you need comfort right now? I'm op- I, would, I would love to pray with you or just share God's heart with you. Nobody will say get out. Well, some people, but most people will be like, okay. As opposed to when you say, I, I feel I have a prophetic word to give you. I want to share. No, 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 no. Their guard will be up. Sometimes people may be open to receiving it, but you are better off using wisdom and saying, I want to encourage you. Can I encourage you? All right. So that's good. And then, so build relationship, be conversational in your office, your colleague, and then remember the testimony of Jesus. So when you start to share and they're like, oh my God, how did you know that? Like, yeah, just like Jesus really is the point of it all. So you're able to now tell them that actually God shared it because he wanted you to know that he sees you and he loves you and he wants you to come into him, build a relationship with him more. You start to tell them if they don't know about Jesus. Then if it's a place of maturity, be like, yeah, God wants you to really come to greater depths in him. So you must always find that entry point for the testimony of Jesus because the testimony of Jesus as Revelation says is the spirit of prophecy. So the essence of your prophesying is to testify of Jesus. All right, so give room for God's power. So most times when you go out, you can always just believe God, like, God, does this person need healing and everything? Don't overthink it. It happens a lot. Don't overthink it. See, when you want to heal somebody, don't go. Let me tell you why we are worried. Most times we think that the reward or the, this is about us. No, just go out and believe God for his power to move in their lives. And so you touch them. If it's pain or if it's, you just cast it out. You don't now start, that's not the time to start speaking in tongues. And this was one of the things I also had to learn. When you want to pray for the sick, cast out the, the demon of infirmity, the spirit of infirmity. Cast out the pain they may be feeling and just move on. If the Lord leads you, you can say, do you feel the pain any longer? But if you don't have the confidence yet to know or to deal with the fact that the pain may still be there, don't ask. Just leave it to God. As you grow, you will start to feel, you start to see that it's okay. You know. But most times, Jesus just healed them and, or tell them, okay, don't sin anymore. Follow the way of God. Follow this principle and all of that. So give room for God's power in prophetic evangelism. Let God use you to heal the sick and raise the dead and do mighty working things. All right. And then the revelation of Jesus is the platform. Again, just saying start where you are. The revelation of Jesus is your platform. You don't need any platform other than the fact that Jesus has been revealed to you. Now I need to reveal same. That's the platform. As you do that in whatever corner and space you are in, you will find that there's greater opportunity for you to do more. Speak clearly, speak simply. Don't try and be, is it verbose they call it? Don't try and be too ambiguous. Don't try and sound too deep. Please, these are the things that cause us to feel defeated. Just go as simple. The message of Jesus is so simple. 
even the message of maturity, of his obedience, he's saying come to a place of maturity, let, life, let the, puri- the life of purity, that is what God wants. So you just go and share. Even when you want to share certain things about them, just share it very simply. Don't try and be overly... You want to prophesy, then you are now coded. You are now coded. Because prophecy is what? Revelation encoded, like decoded. It is revelation that is decoded. Now, some of us, you want to prophesy to somebody, you are now even more coded. There's, there's, there's like an activation we normally do and when you're prophesying to someone and until the person is satisfied. So we start to say, what else do you see? So you keep asking. Say, I see God doing it. What else do you see until you are satisfied? It's just a training for the person to not be too ambiguous. To try and nail it inside to get what it is that God is really trying to say to that person. All right. And then don't downplay any leading. This is where you will, trust me, this is where we are going to need to be really, really, really deliberate and trained. Because we have, again, we can't underestimate the impact that what we have seen to be the prophetic has had on us. So what then starts to happen is God can be telling you, like the example I gave, something so simple, but you're like, it doesn't add up. You are trying to calculate it in your head and God is saying, that's what I want you to say to this person. I had that experience. We're having a prophetic activation and then we're supposed to say things about the person's childhood. And everybody said different things to different people and it was my turn and I kept hearing name. He does not like his name. He did not like his name. And the name is not like on a surface, like something you would not like or something. So I was like, hi, God, God, tell me something else now. Say me something deep that happened to this guy's, in this guy's childhood. And that was what God kept saying. So I said, give me something else. So this is what I now did. I had like two things. So I now said the one that felt more realistic and verbose. I now said that one first. I was like, okay, so I see God saying that this, 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 and all of that, that this happened. He was like, yeah, yeah, that happened. And I was like, and the Spirit said, better. I was like, okay, I also saw that you didn't really like your name so much. Like it was really a, a thing. I don't know why it was a thing, but that's what God says. He started laughing. The whole place. Everybody, the other people too were watching, were like, okay, where's this head? He was like, yes, we didn't like our name so much that we changed it. That my family changed their name. And I was like, oh, wow. And then I remember our, our mentor at the time was like, oh, my God. Like, how did you? How? I was not like, it's the Holy Spirit that actually said so. I was this close to not saying it. And the thing there was that God was trying to show him that I saw, I knew. I knew that too. And I was like, okay. And so don't underestimate anything. Oh, your sister. I've heard orange. The Holy Spirit is talking to me and I hear orange and I'm like, God, what does orange have to do? What's orange? What's orange? And then, of course, it's the glory of God to conceal the honor of kings to search it out and you keep praying and asking God to reveal more. But don't downplay what any lady. Don't think it has to be deep and big and huge and rev. Or evil. Or evil. Yeah. It doesn't have to be evil. I, I tend to run away from that. And most times people assume that people who want to hear a prophetic word, you know, is because something evil is happening in their lives. And so they start out with that, thinking that there's something evil that they are running away from. Sometimes that's not the case. 
God just wants to tell you that. Tell her I love her. And she's shaking me. Yes. There are people that have said those type of things to me and I'm like, and I'm crying, I'm going back home. And that's like the anchor for my whole week. So sometimes it doesn't have to be so deep and big. And then of course, let love lead. It never fails. Even when you make a mistake. I've prophesied things from the depths of my heart. And then I went back and the Lord said, okay, that was not actually the whatever, but I honored you because of the love you had for that person. And so sometimes, not sometimes, all the time, love will always lead. I have one other example of this issue of also not allowing any leading go away. I was praying with a lady and I start to see the rainbow. And you know, when people have abused some things, you're like, I beg. You're like, rainbow. Does, is that not generic? Rainbow. Is it not our covenants? Yeah, you shine, God. You know, and I'm just like, God. And it's like, why is it that encouraging people and is now, it's not deep enough for us again? And so I was not like, hmm. I was like, yes, I just see a rainbow. And God is saying that there's a promise of a rainbow. She starts crying. She enters into her room and comes out with what? The drawing of a rainbow that her, and her daughter did at and craft. She said that the Lord said that that was what, she, like that's his promise to her. And that was what she, they did. She had to submit the assignment in school and everything. And that she felt like, okay, she pasted it on her wall in the kitchen that she wants to be seeing it as a reminder that God has not forgotten her. And then I say rainbow and me, I was about to just let it go. The woman was crying and saying, thank you, Jesus. When people are thanking Jesus because you said what he said you should say. Not the one you think is deep. Not the one you think one, they want, ah, I want to go to the nations. Okay. But how is he doing them now? I've told you people this thing. Sometimes it's a hug that people need. Because that's the conversation they were having with God in their closet. Several times I will come out. Somebody will say something to me and I'm like, God, so you heard me. You heard me. And so it's very important. It's very important. And so as we go out, let's, be, let's allow the Holy Spirit move in us. Remember that your platform is that revelation of God, revelation of Jesus. Don't forget why you are doing what you are doing. It's not because you just want to grow in the prophetic. It is because you want people to experience the God that you yourself are experiencing. God will use the people around you, the spaces that you are in. Do you know why some of us will find it hard to prophesy to people around us? Because God did not send us there. Some of us want to be in spaces and circles that God did not send you. And so you will struggle. Because there's no word that will flow through you to that place. Not to make light of this, but some of us want to chill with the big boys. Meanwhile, God has called you to be in a circle of people that will make you grow and then you too will be a blessing to and you are feeling empty because you can't, you can't give out because that's not the space he sent you to. 
So wherever you are sent or wherever you are, wherever, let it be where God has sent you and where he has placed you. Speak to your friends. Keep speaking to them. One day when they need it, keep sharing. They will remember you. And say, hey, you've been talking to me about this thing. Hey, please, where's the link? It may start with, where's the link? Where do you meet? And then you can talk about more and more and more and give them an opportunity. So let's just bow our heads and ask for this same grace to flow to us. The grace that flowed on Jesus. Let us ask the Lord to, to let it flow in us. Let the love for God flow in us. Let the love for his will flow in us. Let the love for the people flow in us. Let hope rise in us. Let faith rise in me, God. The kind of faith that can move the mountains that are in people's lives. The kind of faith that can cause the mountain of depression and pain and sickness move out of people's lives. Let that faith arise in me. That as I go out, I go out with you. I go out in you. I go out for you. Representing this life to the people. Father, help the finishing church to break out in the spirit. To go forth in boldness. To go forth in courage. To go forth in wisdom. Let the grace, O oh God, and the impartation, O oh God, of the prophetic, let it rest. Can we just be on our feet for one minute? And I truly want us to lift our hands as a posture and as a sign of what we want to receive. The ability to hear God. The ability to know his heart. The ability to understand his heart. The ability to walk in the reality of his heart. The ability to represent the God that we ourselves have come to know. The ability to hear God and bring encouragement to the people. Encouragement to the body of Christ. Encouragement to unbelievers. Let that grace flow. Let that grace flow to us today. Let that grace flow to us today. Let the grace of the prophetic flow to us today. Father, put in us a hunger, a desire for more and more of you to hear your voice, to hear your word, to hear your leading. You said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. We are your sheep, oh God, and we hear your voice. Father, we shall be known as a people who hear your voice. We are the sons of Issachar. We know the times and the seasons. We know what you are saying. We know what you will have us do in the name of Jesus. We know where you are leading. We follow you as you lead us in the name of Jesus. Let the spirit of the prophetic rest upon this house. Let it rest upon the people. Let the double dose of the anointing rest upon us. Let it rest upon us today that we may go and win souls for the kingdom. That we may
carry, we will go and give to others in the name of Jesus. I'm a carrier of the life of God. Declare that you are a carrier and you go out. You go out living out that life, giving out that life. The Bible says that out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. Everywhere I go, I give people this eternal life. I dispense this living water. I dispense this living water in the name of Jesus. As I evangelize, as I tell people about Jesus, they will not get say. They will not be able to resist the spirit of the Lord that is breaking out of me. They will not be able to resist the love of God. They will not be able to resist the hope in God. They will not be able to resist the faith. As I speak, I speak words of comfort. My mouth is seasoned with salt. I edify the people. I edify the body. Begin to declare that I am an edifier of the body. I am an encourager of the body. In the name of Jesus, I am a comforter of the body. I bring people the life of God. I bring people the comfort of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I edify. I build up. In the name of Jesus, the apostolic and the prophetic unction is upon me. I go out and I build men. I go out and I disciple men. I bring men to the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, sweet Holy Spirit. We will never be the same again. Help us to see God. Help us to see God. Help us to see those who are around us. Those who we must speak to. You see, for Jesus, it was not convenient. He was actually hungry. He was actually famished. He wasn't trying to deceive her by asking for water. He was actually thirsty. But in the pathway of the inconvenience for him was what was convenient for God. Begin to declare that even when it's not convenient for me, Father, find your convenience even in my inconvenience. I will speak to men even when it's not convenient for me. On the way, I will speak to men even in the path of hunger, even when I've not gotten everything I've asked for even when i've not gotten everything i think i need father find pathway find pathway find pathway even when it's not easy even when it's not convenient even when it's uncomfortable find a pathway to ride on find a pathway in my heart to ride on oh god just like jesus just like jesus because all god needs sometimes is what is inconvenient for you just like Jesus. He was hungry. They went to get food. He was tired. But there was a place he just had to pass. He just had to pass. Father, show me the places I just have to pass. Even when I'm in pain. Show me the places I just have to reach and go. Instagram may not be convenient for me. But Father, if I have to pass, if I have to pass, Bornu State may not be my heart's desire. Plateau State may not be where I want to call home. But Father, if I just have to pass, if we just have to pass that place, 
if I just have to take a step in there because of one man because of one woman because of one soul that you want to minister life to father pass through me we are coming into the realm of inconvenience guys and I know sometimes we just want to catch a breath it feels like it's just one thing after another after another but God is saying that your meat ah God, your fulfillment the thing that actually causes you to catch a breath is doing my will and completely finishing it you thought you were in pain you thought you were in discomfort you thought you were hungry you thought you were thirsty little did you know that it is just in doing my will that is your real food when the disciples came back to Jesus and said ah, have you eaten he said there is something I just did what brings me energy life hope restoration fullness is to be in the will of my father and doing it and so trust me even when God is saying I'm bringing you into a realm of inconvenience it is because he knows that that is what will fill you that is what will satisfy father even when what we are experiencing is unsatisfactory as long as it leads us to what will truly satisfy we say yes we say yes we say yes thank you sweet holy spirit in jesus mighty name we have prayed hallelujah amen